The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RS2UV, WXYZ people, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here on Monday morning. Everybody's alive in the chat room this morning. Great to see all you guys up and early and going at it and joining us here in your support. We appreciate it very much. I uh, hope you guys had a great weekend. If you'd like to check us out online, sonsoflibertyradio.com and sonsoflibertymedia.com. In fact, if you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, head over to sonsoflibertymedia.com. That's right. You can see the face that's made for radio. Head over there and uh, look down right on the right, and we are streaming live there on sonsoflibertymedia.com. You can also catch that live video feed on my Twitter account at FPPTim, my Periscope and Twitch accounts at Setting Brushfires. Our Facebook page is Bradley Dean SOL. Our YouTube channel is B Dean Sons of Liberty. Before it's news.com, we're right there on the front page. Uh, thank you to Michael Roach for that. And finally, on DLive.tv, we've got a, a few uh, watchers over there as well. We appreciate you guys at The Sons of Liberty. And then if you're branching out into social media, Spreely Gab, MeWe Minds, and USA.life. You can catch us at Sons of Liberty and Sons of Liberty Media. And then if you guys like your interaction there on YouTube and Facebook uh, the way I think you do, you can join us on Telegram. Download the app and uh, look for Sons of Liberty. You can join us there as well. And you can share information all throughout the day with one another if you want to do that as well. All right. <clears throat> one more day until you choose your public servants. That's right, not your leaders, your public servants. They are working for you, America, or they're supposed to. They've strayed off the reservation, many of them have. And it's time to, you, you people who want term limits, this is it. This is it. You can't remain ignorant and free. Leave Thomas Jefferson said that. And so it, tomorrow is your term limit. If you don't like your representative, if you believe he's unconstitutional, if you believe he's corrupt, if you believe he's a criminal... Tomorrow is your chance to get them out of office and then follow up with charging them for their crimes. Now, <clears throat> we're going to look at specifically the sheriff of the county, the highest law enforcement officer in the county. Okay, We're going to look at that today, what it means to be a constitutional sheriff. But I think what we're going to learn is you can apply this to every person who holds public office as a public servant. Okay, and we need to start using that language, that kind of language. Representative or servant. 
not lawmaker, not leader, not ruler, not king. <laughs> we need to use the proper language to help us remember who they are and who we are as the people. To help me do that uh, is Richard Mack. He's a former sheriff of Graham County, Arizona. He was the first sheriff in the, count- in the country to file a lawsuit against the Clinton administration to stop the gun control associated with the Brady Bill. His case was heard by the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, which ruled 5-4 to four that provisions of the Brady Bill were indeed unconstitutional. Amen. Max spent 20 years in law enforcement and the past 17 years as a political act- activist. He has appeared at over 120 Tea Party rallies, uh, authored five books on states' rights, the oath of office, and constitutional liberty. Um, I found it interesting, uh, Sheriff Mack, that one of the things that uh, you've got a bachelor's degree in is Latin. Where do you use that today? Good morning and welcome to the Sons of Liberty. I think he, you got to unmute there, brother. <laughs> I had you muted before the show. That's right. Okay. Oh, I just did it again. Hit it one more time. <laughs> All right. Okay, good. Good. Yeah, actually, it was Latin American studies. Oh, Latin American so, studies. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, so it, it mostly had to do with uh, the history of Latin America and and Spanish. Okay. All right. All right. Great. Well, I appreciate you explaining that to me. Now, you became sheriff, and we talked briefly the other day, and you said, you know, I had to go and I had to learn these things. I didn't know them. I just, I knew I'd won an office. Now, what do I do with it? And you began to learn what it meant to be a constitutional sheriff, and you just didn't keep that to yourself. You started an organization, the CSOPA, and uh, one of the things that you started to do was you started to teach other sheriffs how to be a constitutional sheriff. Tell us a little bit about your story. Um, first, how, how did you win? What did you do there uh, in your own county? And then how did you come to this situation where you found out what a constitutional sheriff was and, and how you applied that? Well, uh, and thank you, Tim, so much for having me on. I, I love the title, Sons of Liberty. Uh, I actually love that movie series that was on uh, the History Channel. Uh, I thought it was very accurate. Uh, during the week, I'm, I, I actually teach at a local junior high. And I teach American history. I teach the Constitution uh, from the intent of the founding fathers, and I believe that all of us need to learn it that way. Uh, in law enforcement and in, and in the court system, we have to prove the intent of, of the accused. Uh, and I think we need to learn the intent of our founding fathers. And it's it's an amazing, beautiful uh, document that I discovered called the Constitution. And uh, you see, I became so disenchanted with law enforcement. I was in law enforcement about two and a half, three years before I discovered the oath of office. And I and I didn't even I did not even remember taking the oath. But I saw I saw there was such a dearth. Uh, of of existence of any attention paid to the Constitution, to the oath of office uh, in government. Uh, I started studying. I, I wanted to know why we had police. I wanted to know why we had government. And, and I wanted to know why, uh, after I started studying that, I said, why is it that uh, the Constitution is the supreme law of the land, but no cops ever study the Constitution, we don't read the Constitution, yet we're all called sworn officers. I heard that term all the time. We're sworn officers, and I started to ask, what did we swear to do? If we're sworn personnel, if we're sworn officers, what did we swear to do? 
And the term public servant came up a lot, just like as uh, you alluded to just a minute ago. And and I just saw very little public service. I saw a bunch of uh, cops out there just writing tickets and uh, kicking in doors and and making DUI arrests and 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 we spent you know 75% of our time trying to get people to uh, arrest people for doing drugs and dealing drugs and and everything else like that and and I just said why do we keep spinning our wheels and why is it that we do not follow the constitution and so uh, that's really where it happened I, I was a rookie cop at the time and as I studied it and then as <clears throat> I prepared to run for sheriff, uh, I really came, I actually coined the phrase uh, constitutional sheriff. And most of that came from my, uh, my book called The County Sheriff, America's Last Hope. And I, I, just, I just really wanted uh, to, to be sheriff in my hometown. And that was really a miraculous election. And I mean, totally miraculous. I hadn't lived in, in Safford, Arizona, Graham County, uh, for 12 years. Uh, I had gone off to uh, Utah, and I became a cop there. I tried to get in the FBI after I graduated from college, and uh, that didn't work out. My father was an FBI agent, and I'm really grateful now, and I can see the Lord's hand in it, that I that is not where I was supposed to go. So in 1988, uh, 1987, actually, I moved home uh, to Arizona. I ran for sheriff just walked into town and said, make me your sheriff. Now, I did have some name recognition there because I, I was an all-star athlete in that community. So people don't forget that when you win uh, state football championships and stuff like that. But my dad had a good name and a good reputation. And I ran on all of that. But still, I had never worked in Arizona. I'd never worked in my my hometown except in a grocery store. And it was it was just such an unlikely uh, election. And then four years later, I was reelected. And in, in 1993, I noticed the Brady Bill got signed into law by President Clinton. And on January 21st, 1994, we had an association, Sheriff's Association meeting in Phoenix. And at that meeting, three agents of the BATF, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms, brought us a 25 page document that detailed what we as sheriffs were supposed to do in order to comply with the Brady Bill. And we were all shocked. Every sheriff in that room was shocked and really angry that the federal government would be so arrogant and uh, assuming that we work for them and that we could take orders from them. And I even posed the question to the BATF. I said, you, you guys know, and I was the youngest sheriff in the state at the time, I wasn't trying to push my weight around. I was still trying to feel my way around and, you know, let the older uh, statesmen of sheriffs kind of lead the way. But every everyone, the Democrats and Republicans alike as sheriffs, were very much against this Brady Bill. And there was a lot of cussing going on in the room because the sheriffs were so upset about this because the Brady Bill threatened to arrest us simply if we failed to comply. And, and, I, and I had decided after all day long of all the sheriffs saying how horrible this was and how arrogant the federal government was, I was convinced that we couldn't do it and I wasn't going to do it. But I was the only one that said that. Out of 15 sheriffs, I was the only one that said I wasn't going to do it. And, and so I was so afraid that 
they might try to arrest me, you know, two o'clock in the morning sometime and in front of my wife and kids that I decided that I was going to have to sue the federal government. And I did. And you and you and you won, too. <laughs> well, that's the big that's the biggest miracle of all, yeah. Tim, to, to get before the Supreme Court. They only take one percent of the cases that cross their desk yep. to to get to the Supreme Court is absolutely miraculous to win at the United States Supreme Court is beyond Mars miraculous. It's 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 crazy miraculous. And we all know where miracles come from. And, and I saw God's hand in this. Amen. And when I when I uh, told my wife that I was going to sue the federal government, she actually said this. She says, now we know why you were supposed to be sheriff, because she and I always talk. Why the miracle of us winning this election? And there just doesn't seem to be anything significant about the miracle. If there was a miracle and it has to be for a reason, not just that, that I'm helping old ladies across the crosswalk in downtown Safford or or that. You know, I ran on a constitutional platform and I get that, <clears throat> but there was no, nothing of significance that really happened in the job that said, this is why you were here. When I told her that, she goes, now we know why. The next day, my mom said the same thing when I told her I was going to sue the Clinton administration. She was a little bit concerned for my well-being and safety, but she said, now we know why uh, the miracle of you being elected sheriff. And and then right after that, I was unelected, uh, which kind of brings us back to the point of re, uh, political reality, because this created such a controversy in my hometown uh, that people just got sick of it. And I didn't win at the Supreme Court until about nine or 10 months after I lost the election. So mm. it, it just it just worked out. And, and I know I was supposed to move on. And it's obvious that the Lord moved me to be in a. Uh, in, in the national position of teaching all public officials, all public servants, that we're all supposed to be constitutional uh, oriented and that not just the sheriff is supposed to be constitutional, but all of us. Yeah. And can you imagine city councils and chiefs of police and sheriffs and county commissioners all working together to do one thing, uphold, defend, oh, yep. protect and serve the United States Constitution, and thereby protect the God-given rights of all our citizens. That yeah. is what we promised to do. How about we start doing it? Well, I agree with you. I agree with you, and that's that's part of that's part of why we have you on here. Is we wanted to talk a little bit about that because that was a pretty big thing uh, that that went on right there. That that you took uh, the Clinton administration to the Supreme Court. But also they have this issue to where uh, they came out with their assault weapons ban. And, you know, let's just get right to the heart of that. Let's take that little that one issue right there, because it takes up a very small amount of space in our Constitution, and our Bill of Rights. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, not regulated a little bit, not restricted a little bit, not what you can have this, but you can't have that. It doesn't have any of that. And nothing in Article one or Article two gives the Congress authority to legislate that, nor does it give the, the authority to the, to the executive to execute it. So where they get and you any... Might as well, you might as well throw in the judicial branch. Yeah, there, the judicial what, what, what branch too. About. Yeah, and so yeah. we... And, and now we're at the point where people are calling for... You know, they want background checks. Everybody's got to have a background check before they get a gun. They don't have to do it if they get a car. They don't have to do it if, 
except for like I guess a credit thing if they're if they're borrowing money, but they don't get a background check for that. <clears throat> it, it's the flip opposite of what we have in this country, where you are innocent until proven guilty. They flip it on its head and says, "Well, we just think you're guilty and you can't have a gun until you have a background check. You've got to prove your innocence." So, I mean, there's a lot that can be done here, um, and I assume that you guys are you were picking up on some of that then. Now it's even worse. I mean, we've got uh, ex post facto laws on a bump stock. We've got this argument about a honey badger. Oh, it, it, it may have to be classified as a short barrel rifle. And they're bringing that up during the election. This all coming out of, a, of, an, of a, <clears throat> an agency that isn't constitutional in the first place. Uh, yeah. I was told they were, they were formed for the purpose of gathering taxes on, on firearms and such. And they've right. become something completely different from that. They're completely uh, out of control. Nobody's been held accountable for Fast and Furious, and we've seen what they've done. They've done what they wouldn't what they wouldn't let the people do. Uh, they've done that, and it's resulted in hundreds of people being murdered. So I appreciate your stand in doing that. So what was the thing that was that the thing that really tipped you off, or was that the the part where it, uh, learning the Constitution really led you? You're, it seems like you're saying that that led you to want to pursue the office of sheriff. And then what happened after you're out? You won the Supreme Court. Um, you're out. What do you start doing then? Well, a lot of different agencies and businesses across America wanted me as a consultant. Uh, so I did hire out as a consultant, and I worked for Gun Owners of America for about four and a half years. Uh, and then after that, uh, I had started writing books. Uh, my first book was uh, born right out of this Supreme Court case. Uh, and it was called From My Cold Dead Fingers, Why America Needs Guns. Uh, and that book's a little bit dated because, like I said, the, the first publication came out in 1994, the very year I filed the lawsuit. Uh, and then I re rewrote it uh, about 1999. Uh, but it, it really took off. And so uh, in 19, no, sorry, uh, 2009, I published uh, The County Sheriff, America's Last Hope. In 1999, I also did a little booklet uh, called The Proper Role of Law Enforcement. Uh, and I wrote those two books really short. Uh, Proper Role is only 30 pages long. Uh, the County Sheriff book is only 50 pages long. And I specifically did that uh, intentionally uh, because I knew that law enforcement wouldn't or, or sheriffs would not read uh, anything that was too voluminous. And so I, I wrote up short. I said, nobody has an excuse not to read these books. Uh, you can uh, read these while you eat a donut and have your coffee. Uh, and it's, it's very easy to understand. And so the question is simply this. How is it that we in law enforcement, that we as peace officers of this country, swear an oath, but we summarily ignore it, or we just arrogantly say to, to, the, to our constituents, we don't have to keep our oath. We just have to enforce all the laws uh well and i actually came up to i came to the conclusion that our job is not law enforcement our job is the preservation of liberty our first Amen. and foremost first and foremost at every level of government and the judicial branch swears the same oath that i did and the executive branch swears the same oath as all the other branches as all the other public servants in our country. We all swear an oath of allegiance to the United States Constitution. How is it 
that you could keep an oath to a document that you have never read and that you know nothing about. Come on. So the first thing it is, we have to know and understand the Constitution. And yes, we have to understand the intent of the founding fathers. And what I discovered is that liberty is first at every level. My job as a peace officer is to protect the rights of the people I serve and work for. That's it. Well, that that and this leads us back to something else. Um, there are there are a lot of laws that are passed that are unconstitutional, and they remain on the books because, frankly, a lot of people don't have tens of thousands of dollars where they can take it to court. Um, right. I mean, that's just the reality. And there is tons of stuff. There's tons of stuff that I've made mention. Some people don't like the fact that I'll hit the issue about the plant that's used to violate the Fourth Amendment all over the place. Uh, that that somehow the government is more holy than God who created the said plant, <laughs> and uh, and we have innocent people being killed. We've got more people in jail over that. I mean, it is a it, it really is a scourge upon the people when these things are done. And that's not the only one. Uh, we could talk about several things. And I mentioned uh, well, uh, go one ahead. other thing. Uh, uh, one other thing that you mentioned that sure. I wanted to respond to, and that was background check. Yes, go ahead. Not only do they not have the uh, authority constitutionally to infringe my right in any way or yours, the right of the people to keep and bear arms, they have no authority to infringe that right whatsoever. As a matter of fact, their only role regarding the Second Amendment is to protect it. That's it. <laughs> they have no regulatory authority over any of our rights. Uh, their job is to make sure that those rights are all protected. My right to peaceably assemble. That's their responsibility to protect my right to do that. The Second Amendment, it's their responsibility to protect my right to keep and bear arms. What scares me about the, the background checks uh, and the waiting periods is that government is literally taking a God-given right that's guaranteed in the Bill of Rights. And when you see the intent of the founders on the Second Amendment, it's very clear what they intended on that. And this is also another amendment to protect liberty. To protect liberty, Richard Henry Lee said, it is essential that the whole body of the people keep and bear arms and be taught alike, especially when young, how to use them. So this is all the intent of the founders. And, and George Mason said, to, to preserve liberty, it is, uh, sorry, I asked her, what is the militia? It is the whole body of the people, except for a few public officials. To disarm the people is the best and most effectual way to enslave them. Now we know why. And we know that slaves and people who were subject to government could never own guns. That's the problem right there. We must submit ourselves to government. We must subject ourselves to their capricious background checks and to the authority that they are stealing, telling us, unless you do what we tell you, unless you submit yourself to us, you can't have the Second Amendment. We will not allow you to have a gun if you do, if you do not submit to our criminal background checks. That's the problem there. And I will never allow government to assume a role that they do not constitutionally have. And that's the danger of those laws.
Amen. Amen. All right. So we've got a question in, in the chat. And by the way, Howie, we're not nuts. It's just you're ignorant. I mean, I'm just responding to somebody in the chat. Uh, we're, we're, just look we're, at history. I'll tell anybody, just look at history. We're, we're you, want to, you want to complain about what I say? Yep. Study your history then. Yep. Well, it's, it's not just that. It's the, the people don't know this document here. They don't know it. And so here's the thing. You know, you talked about law enforcement. Well, let's, let's, yeah, let's, let's see what this constitution, this thing that's written uh, to restrain our representatives, our, our public servants, not us, but them, okay, this is what it says who the real law enforcement officers are. It's part of the Second Amendment. It's that first part, right? Militia being necessary for a f- security of a free state. It says Congress's authority is to provide for calling forth the militia to do what? To execute the laws of the union. union. That's right. That's right. They're the ones. We don't need all these alphabet agencies. It is it is the militia who is to do that. To suppress insurrections, that's take down all these riots. And I don't believe in bringing people from outside of other states into other states to do that. I believe the militia of that state should be doing it. Uh, and to repel invasions. We didn't need DHS down at the border, you know, helping mothers and children and uh, men come across the border and giving diapers. No, there should have been a deal, uh, an issue to deal with tens of thousands of people who are coming over and basically what seems like an invasion, uh, if you ask me. And then the Congress is to provide for organizing, arming, and disciplining the militia and for governing such part of them as may be employed in the service of the United States, reserving to the states respectively the appointment of the officers and the authority of training the militia according to the discipline prescribed by Congress. So, you know, I've asked um, <clears throat> several people uh, running for office, would you support a militia in your state? You know, if you're running for a state office, would you support that? Would you support training them? I'm not talking about some secretive little thing, you know, out somewhere where nobody knows what they're doing and they're planning on blowing up buildings. We're not talking about that. We're talking about to enforce the law. Right. The same thing that they do with a National Guard or the same thing they do with the military. There's discipline. There's training. There's all of this stuff that's mentioned here. Um, d- do you talk a lot about uh, supporting a militia, building militia in the state that's open, that's under the constitutional direction to do what they're supposed to do? And then, two, this will be somewhat second to that but tied to the Second Amendment. Um, Matt has asked about the unconstitutional concealed weapon carry permits. Why do we need a oh, permit? Yeah to do what is the God-given right that we have. Yeah, it's already there. Uh, yes, uh, we actually train uh, sheriffs uh, to form their own posses. That is totally uh, the militia concept. And in fact, I, I tell them, I said, look, if, if if you don't want to use the M word, as the media have now demonized the word militia for the last 30 years in our country, then call it a posse. You have every uh, right and authority to to have a, a standing posse and to use it however you choose. Uh, you can call it the the Minuteman of your county, but they they are there literally uh, at your beck and call. And the posse is something that again, if you look at history, is something that sheriffs have done uh, for over 150 200 years. And the the office of sheriff uh, was the first law enforcement office in the United States. And that office goes back over a thousand years into old Anglo-Saxon law. And yes, if you look back at the sheriff of Nottingham, you see the power of the uh, shire of the Reeve, which was the first term used to 
uh, call that, that person. And then it just uh, molded into, evolved into sh uh, Shireev and then Sheriff. And that's where that came from. Uh, and the sheriff has always been able to uh, call out the people because the people are in charge. We, the people, hire the sheriff. The sheriff reports only to the people. He has no other supervisor. He does not answer to the county commissioners. He deals with them and, and works with them on budget matters. And he his legal advisor is the county attorney. But he doesn't have to deal with the county attorney if he doesn't want to. And uh, he only answers to the people. They are his only supervisor. And that is what makes us a constitutional republic. We, the people, bestow all power in this country. That's why the power is theirs, and that's what posse means is power. And them being on the posse or any part of a militia is not only their prerogative, it is their duty. And the, and the sheriff, to be able to use that, we've heard this about sheriffs doing this in the past six months where they said, if the federal government comes in here or the state government tries to force their way into my county, to force us to shut down our churches, which is another astonishing, ridiculous thing. But uh, if they come in here to arrest people for having church or for not wearing a mask, I will call forth my posse or our local militia and we will stand and, and uh, stop this. Amen. Uh, another thing about us at the CSPOA, the Constitutional Sheriff's Peace Officers Association is exactly that. We are a peaceful organization. We are an educational organization. We believe in no violence. We absolutely detest violence. We believe all of the rioters and looters that have been taking place the last 150 days across the country, every one of them should be arrested and prosecuted. Uh, we don't believe in violence and we also put individual liberty first. So th this is an amazing process. And we, we invite all people to become members. Citizens should be members of the CSPOA. It is that relationship that we all maintain with our sheriff that unites us with him in protecting liberty. And if we get citizens involved, just as Jefferson warned, it, it, you can't be ignorant and free, but he said the price of liberty is eternal vigilance. Yes. And this is how we are vigilant. We work with our local officials especially our sheriff, in erecting the barriers against national encroachments and the encroachments now of the governors who are self-appointed dictators and some of our mayors who, who believe they have some sort of authority over the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and our individual liberties. And so this is really where we've got to focus our energy now. And God forbid that, uh, <laughs> that Joe Biden gets in there I believe that the only solution after that for peace, safety, and protection of American liberty will be uh, at the county level. And we can take back America county by county, one sheriff and one, and one group of people at a time. But the sheriff cannot do this alone, Yep. and, and, and we need the people doing it with him. Well, I've got a friend, Joel McDermott, and he, he, <clears throat> excuse me, he has a book called... Uh, I think it's called Restoring America One County at a Time. And he takes that approach yeah, uh, that is, it, that. yeah, and it's, and it starts, it starts with education. That's the thing, not indoctrination that we get from the public school, public indoctrination centers we call public schools. It comes from people getting back to real history 
And a lot of right. times they don't understand that the victors write that history. And oftentimes it's not true history. And so we have to dig into that and get beyond the propaganda that's put out to find out what exactly was done uh, and why it was done. And so I appreciate your stand on I appreciate the things you had to say about the Second Amendment. Let me ask another question just dealing with the First Amendment, some practical things that people would see. I remember that um, uh, Sheriff David Clark, you know, he spoke, he was speaking out on the Second Amendment and this, that, and the other, and he's speaking out on, you know, if, if Black Lives Matter, they'd be dealing with the abortion clinics, and yet... Um, Sheriff David Clark in the past has also come and come against those who've been on public sidewalks uh, protesting abortion clinics um, and had to, you know, infringe on their rights that are protected under the First Amendment. I mean, what is a sheriff to do when the county or the state says, hey, you guys who who want to who want to speak out? I mean, they aren't acting violently. You want to speak out against the murder of the unborn that's going on, protected by those who are supposed to actually be enforcing the law against those? Uh, you guys are going to be arrested. You're going to be thrown in jail. I mean, what, what do you do with something like that? That's going to take a sheriff who's got some, some knowledge and some guts, which I, right. I say, uh, you know, that's what we need more of. We need more knowledgeable sheriffs and those who have the guts to take that knowledge and put it into action. What do you say about stuff like that? Uh, we call it the doctrine of interposition. Mm-hmm. And the sheriff is the great interposer. In fact, uh, the CSPOA actually has an award that we give to sheriffs across the country who have done that. Uh, and it, it's called the CSPOA Interposer Award. Uh, we also have CSPOA Sheriffs of the Year. Well, in 2013, that award went to the National CSPOA Constitutional Sheriff of the Year was David A. Clark Jr. from Wisconsin. Uh, and we totally admired his leadership in standing for liberty. Uh, and we've had lots of different sheriffs uh, stand for liberty. And you are absolutely correct. I cannot believe that in uh, the form of government that we have and with our philosophy based on life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that we have actually gone so far in this country that we are propagandizing and brainwashing the American people that committing an act of murder to an unborn child is now a constitutional right. That is how debased and far down the path of destruction that we have gone uh, as a country. Uh, as Judge Bork said, uh, uh, sliding down to Gomorrah. Uh, it is just amazing to me. Uh, and, and I believe that we're, we're going way, way too far in all of this, and that's obvious. Uh, but that two, two things really have alarmed me about how far down the path of destruction America's gone. One is uh, that abortion is a constitutional right, and that we still have uh, an IRS in this country that is so ruthless and cruel, yes. throwing innocent people in prison. Uh, and that is why I have maintained that the greatest enemy to our God-given liberties is our own federal government. I do appreciate what Trump has tried to do. Uh, comparatively speaking, I think he's been one of the best presidents we've ever had. But you cannot leave an IRS intact and say that you've drained the swamp. We've got a lot more draining to do. Uh, and another thing that I would highly recommend that the president do, quit hiring swamp dwellers to be in your cabinet if you're going to continue to try 
to <laughs> to to drain the swamp. Uh, and so this is really where we're at. The sheriff is in charge of that, and he should make sure that the people's right to peaceably assemble and to freedom of the, of speech that still can be allowed in front of abortion clinics, and that we actually we actually now still this is another part of this that we actually have. $500 million going to a private organization of taxpayer dollars to Planned Parenthood all across this country. It's astonishing, but Planned Parenthood said, we will have a, a wholesale abortion available to anybody and we'll have Christians pay for it. And that's exactly what's going on. And I think it's, I think it's absolutely an abomination. I, I agree it is. And, and, you know, I would add to that, it's not 500 million. It's more than 600 million under this administration. Uh, oh, okay. They've, re they've increased it since. They, they have. And we've documented that to people and the people keep saying, I mean, Donald Trump touted himself as most pro-life president ever. Well, that's not true. There were, there were dozens of them before anybody started talking about abortion in this country. Um, they, they believed in life. In fact, they believed it so much, they put it in the Declaration of Independence. They said this is the first right that our Creator gave us was life. If you can't defend life, you can't defend anything else because there are no rights if you're dead. Um, right. So that's, that's pretty simple, and I agree with you. You can't say that you're draining the swamp while you're putting the swamp creatures back in there. I mean, Bill Barr, come on. Are we talking about throwing uh, these other guys in there, Kavanaugh and, and Comey Barrett and John Roberts and all these guys in there who were part of the push uh, back in 2000 in the Gore-Bush debate for the Republicans and, and pushing that? They're all on the Supreme Court now, just right when we're having an election. I agree with you, uh, and I've done a whole show on Trump's Bilderberg attendees and his CFR members that he's put in the cabinet stuff. I mean, it really is a shame, but see, I see it differently. I see there's a controlled opposition there. That's that's my personal belief. I um, agree. <clears throat> now, here's, here's the other thing. Um, what you're teaching sheriffs with the CSPOA, what you're teaching sheriffs applies to representatives too, doesn't it? Does it apply to the president? Yeah. Does it apply to senators and congressmen and your mayor and, and all these other people? Does it apply to them as well? Yes, we've had uh, congressmen uh, and women uh, at our conference. We've had state reps and state senators. <clears throat> I'm trying to think if we've ever had a governor. I'm pretty sure we've had governor candidates, but I don't think we've ever had a governor attend. We've had seven national conventions. We just had one at Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia on September 30th. We had 75 sheriffs there from all over the country. Uh, we had pastors, we had uh, activist groups. And we, at one point when everybody was all there, uh, by uh, noon on uh, Wednesday, September 30th, we'd had 200 people in attendance. 200 people dedicated to learning uh, about the principles uh, that our country was founded upon. And, and most of the speakers were sheriffs, current sheriffs, who are actually doing these things. We've had hundreds of sheriffs all across this country, especially within the last seven or eight months, uh, come out and stand for liberty against other public officials. That is exactly what we are supposed to do. When you swear an oath to uphold and defend, protect the Constitution from all enemies, both foreign and domestic, just who do you think you're going to be protecting the Constitution from? The cartels? The street gangs? No. Well, yes, you can do that a little bit, but those are a criminal nature. Those are criminal organizations. Of course, we should be going after them. 
They're not trying to violate my right to keep and bear arms. The, the, the destruction of our Constitution is not coming from the cartels and street gangs. It's coming from our own government. And that is where sheriffs and all the public, we hope that chiefs of police, we had uh, two chiefs of police, three chiefs of police there, two actually spoke. We want chiefs of police part of this. The problem is they don't report to the people. They don't answer to the people. They answer to the town manager or to the city council. Yes, the city council is elected, but they actually form a committee to, to appoint uh, the chief of police. The chief of police is a bureaucrat. His job is contingent upon the city council and town manager. Amen. His boss. We have got to, we've got to change that, but hopefully we train this also. We have the sheriffs working with the local police agencies in his county so that they're all on the same constitutional page. The ultimate goal is liberty and protecting the rights of the person and people in the, the individual and the people in his county. That is our duty. That is what we swore to do. And I believe the violation of that oath, and this is going to be another push for the CSPOA, is that we actually start investigating people who refuse to keep their oath and charge them with perjury. We don't need new, new legislation for that. We can, uh, we can initiate that investigation right now. And I believe that we need to start holding people accountable uh, for violating their oath of office. And I believe that we should be charging the mayors and governors who have obviously violated the Constitution, attempted to destroy the Constitution, and I believe that they should be charged with treason and investigated for such. Well, I agree. I agree with you. Um, and we've got uh, we've we've got some some stuff going on in the chat room that's great. I like to see the interaction with the people. Uh, and I know the people on Red State tell Talk Radio. Quit, tell them to quit talking and to start joining and making donations to the CSPOA. Well, I think I'll, some I'll of them are everybody across the country. If you want us to be successful, yep. if you want us to take this peaceful and effective solution to the entire country. Become a member, make a donation, and be a part of this solution. Yeah. Well, I know there's a lot of people in the chat room who know the truth. They, they've educated themselves. They educate others in the chat room. And they're doing something about it in their own counties. And they're not even in elected oh, yeah. office, but they're, they're holding them. So I like to see that. I, I want to encourage that. Uh, that we want to make talk radio be do radio. That was one of our slogans that we had. Um, I and, like that. Yeah, and we, we, we do want to encourage action, like uh, supporting you guys in what you're doing. There's there's a number of things that, you know, different people have different uh, jobs to do. And when you find even like in the military, you find there's people who do reconnaissance. There are the you know foot soldiers. There's the guy who run uh, the, the Air Force. There's the guys who do the planning. Everybody has a, a part that they play in it. Um, and ours is one usually of education, uh, whether it's on the radio, it's on the Internet, or whether it's out among the people. That's really what we're doing. But we're all in the fight together. Uh, no, you know, it's kind of like what the Bible says about the body of Christ. The, 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 the hand can't say to the eye, I don't need you or this, that, and the other. They're all important to us, right? So we, we want to, to exercise that. And I want to tie that in spiritually because I think, you know, the Bible talks about us dealing with our own selves and self-government. And I think our founders pointed to that too. That's where it starts. And God teaches us how to govern ourselves. Then he teaches us how to govern in the family. Then he teaches us how to govern in the church. Then he teaches us how to govern in the civil uh, sphere. 
And right. it seems to me, uh, Sheriff Mack, what we've done is we've said, okay, I get it on the individual level. I get it in the family. I get it in the church. Well, some people get it in the church. <laughs> and then they yeah. go to the civil government. And they, they just chunk all that out as though God has nothing to say about it. And, uh, you know, when you go back to the, the, you know, our forefathers who came over on the, the Mayflower and they set the Mayflower Compact. They said, we're here for the advancement of the kingdom, for the glory of God. I mean, and their laws, when you go back, they were citing scripture for their laws. As to, yeah, to, how dare they be so religious? Yeah, and, and the thing that gets me is they were looking to the one who made just laws and just punishments for those laws. And nowhere in there did he have a prison system. He just didn't have it. Uh, he was it was it was very serious about what they did. I mean, somebody stole something. Guess what? You don't go to prison for that. You have to pay it back plus something. If you don't have right. enough to pay it back, you're going to go work it off for the people you stole from. So there were there were things that were in there, and we've lost sight of that. It's just we think justice is throwing somebody in jail, which to me is very Marxist because then it makes everybody pay for that person. It makes them pay for it. Um, so anyway, I don't want to get off on the side track of that, but that is that is a part of where. I don't think the law is being upheld. I don't think that, that liberty is being protected, um, no. and we have to speak out against those things. But you made mention of the individuals doing things. We had uh, Naomi Israel on. She's a lady, a young lady, a uh, mother and a wife over in California, and she was taking stands against the, you know, the mandates, the mass mandates, um, the shutting down of businesses and things like this. And they were targeting her, threatening her with jail, threatening her with fines. And I, I look at somebody like that, and I say, they're just as much a hero as you are because they're going out there and they're, you know, being vigilant and right. uh, and they're facing all these things. They're getting the media coming down on them. And all they're doing is saying, guys, leave us alone and let us live our life and let us have our liberty. And you do what you're supposed to do. But you're not right. doing that. What do you say to people like that? Well, we've had uh, dozens and dozens of hero sheriffs that have come out and said they will not enforce uh, the mask mandates. They're not laws, even if even if a legislature, which there's been almost none of that yet, even if a legislature passed such a law, it's not law. It's not pretend. It, that's what the founding fathers in the Declaration of Independence called pretend legislation, because laws cannot be used for tyrannical purposes. Laws cannot be passed if they obviously violate the principles of liberty that each of us were born with our natural rights, our responsibility is to protect those God-given rights. We have, you can start looking this up. I've also put it, uh, uh, some of it on our uh, internet uh, website. And uh, a lot of this has been covered in our uh, national conferences. Sheriffs after sheriff after sheriff and, and chiefs of police and sometimes just peace officers that take a stand for the constitution in very tense situations, uh, are are the dozens and dozens of sheriffs who said they're not going to be the Nazis uh, or the or a make their counties a police state, or they're not going to conduct themselves like Nazi soldiers, or that they're going to uphold and defend the Constitution in their jurisdictions, and that they're not going to force people into uh, into submission to these ridiculous mask mandates. If if we were still America. That would be a personal choice, what I wear on my face. It is not up to government, even if, quote, even if there's a, really a good reason for it. And let me quote my Supreme Court decision. 
the Supreme Court decision was really based on government overreach. See if you think any of this applies to what's going on today. Quoting now the Mac Prince Supreme Court decision, the only time in history where sheriffs won a case at the U.S. Supreme Court. And, he, and then Scalia wrote the decision and he said this, but the Constitution protects us from our own best intentions, from our own best intentions. It And then he goes on, get this, it divides power among sovereigns and among branches of government precisely. Did you get the word? Precisely so that we may resist the temptation to concentrate power in one location as an expedient solution to the crisis of the day. The crisis, the Constitution, friends, protects us from the crisis of the day, but only if we have the people in office who are true public servants who have the courage to enforce it. And my dear friends, the solution is if we get back to the Constitution and we have sheriffs and other public servants who actually take this seriously and have the courage to enforce it. Because freedom alone belongs to those with the courage to defend it. Amen. And, and this is this is the CSPOA solution. And it is so powerful when we see sheriffs doing this. Literally, all the sheriffs that have st stood and defended people's rights on this time, would you, are they right or were they wrong? If they were right, then we just need to make this bigger, better, and faster and fund it right now. Let's move on this while we still have a chance. Yeah, I, I, I think that uh, that is something that has to be done. And uh, one of the things that I want to close out with, because we're getting near the end of the show here, uh, is to say, what, what can people do? You're, you're talking about uh, your site, and they'll come over there and they'll say, okay, well, this is Sheriff's Peace Officers, and you've made, you've made mention this is for anybody to join because everybody can learn. And that, I think that's part of the process is, is if people don't know, if they're really ignorant, you can fix ignorant. You can't fix stupid, but you can fix ignorant. <laughs> Uh, you can, yeah. We can always fix our ignorance. So what yeah. you can do is you can head over to, to places like uh, Mike, Sheriff Mac's uh, website, and at, there you can sign up. You can learn. You've, you've got all kinds of uh, information on the site that people can learn from as well. Uh, you also travel around the country and speak, too. Uh, you were down my way sometime recently, I want to say, in North Carolina. Was that right? Uh, no. I, oh, okay. I, I, I thought you were down this way. No, it was the closest there. I was. Uh, I've been to Virginia twice in the last okay. six weeks. Okay. But I haven't been in North Carolina. But believe me, we want to come, and we would love to have one of our CSPOA seminars there, and invite the public and invite the sheriffs, and and invite uh, all public officers and servants, and and let's let's delve into this and let's get a foundation of knowledge and education behind this movement to return to our constitution. Well, I'd like to see if we can work together and maybe bring you down to South Carolina. That's my state. And uh, because, and the reason I say that is years ago, I was doing uh, radio out in uh, with Northwest Liberty news, Jim White, I believe, you know, Jim, and he and I, I were, he and I were doing a radio. We had people from our States that were running for office. We had a Carolina Panther, a former Carolina Panther who was a deputy and he was going to run for sheriff. And so we were going to have him on the show. And so I called and spoke with him and uh, I said, he says, what kind of questions are you going to ask? And I said, well, mainly it'll be around whether or not you're 
you're going to be a constitutional sheriff or not? And he goes, well, what's that? And yeah. I said, I said, well, it's someone who knows what the Constitution says. He interposes against federal or state authorities that are acting unlawfully against the people of his county. And he says, well, I thought, I, you know, he's, I, I said, what did you think you were running for? He says, well, I thought, you know, we would make sure the budget's small and, and that we kind of keep the, you know, keep the peace here and stuff. And I said, well, that's a part of it. It's a part of the job. Sure. And so I sent him to, to you guys. I said, go over here. He says, that's really neat. He said, I didn't even know anything was like this. He said, uh, I'm going to look it up. I don't want to come on your show and, you know, not, not have any answers here. And I said, I, I appreciate, I appreciated his honesty that he said, I yeah. didn't know what it was and I'm willing to learn it. Um, and maybe he's going to come back again and run for sheriff in the future. But, you know, I appreciate somebody who was honest enough to say, I don't know what that is, but I like what I see over here and I'm willing to learn. And I think that's what you guys are all about is about teaching. I was there once. I, yeah. I was there once. I, you know, I, I, I didn't start my career as a constitutional conservative. Uh, and all we ask is that people uh, have the humility to be touched, uh, to be touched by this and to be taught. Uh, what this is really about, and and then that they have the courage to uh, uphold it and live it. And therein lies the solution. Learn about the Constitution. Learn about God's law in, in what he did uh, to us and for us in the Declaration of Independence, that we were endowed by our Creator. Well, then, if we were, then that presupposes that there is a God, and it also uh, puts a responsibility on us to protect what he bestowed upon us and what he gave us. He gave us liberty, not the Constitution and not uh, any government. The, certainly the Democrats and Republicans didn't give us anything. They're right. destroying America. They're, they're taking uh, it. <laughs> folks, folks I, I'm telling you right now, there is a peaceful and effective solution. I have made an organization that supports that and that defends that and that promotes that. The organization isn't the important thing. The message is important. God's law is important. Natural rights, laws of nature and nature's God, that's important. If we do not preserve that, Amen. America dies. If Amen. our constitution dies, which is very much happening through pragmatism and politics and political correctness, America dies. Let's Amen. get united in saving America and saving our country. Hey Amen. Sheriff Mack, we got about 10 seconds before we close out. And then if you'll hang on for about five or 10 seconds after we close, uh, close out, uh, tell people where they can find out more about you real quickly. CSPOA.org. And you can sign up for our class right there. All right. And uh, Sheriff Mack, we appreciate you very much. Appreciate what you've done over the years and your stand for liberty and helping others to do so. A lot of people are excited about sharing that information with their sheriff as well. Guys, 23 hours, we'll be back with you. See ya.